Prather Stafford with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. It's no secret that many of us must recognize and work through daily stress, which is why self-care should be part of our caregiving toolkit. My guest today is Renee Trudeau, an internationally recognized transformational coach, speaker, and catalyst. Renee is also the author of two books, The Mother's Guide to Self-Renewal, How to Reclaim, Rejuvenate, and Rebalance Your Life, and Nurturing the Soul of Your Family, 10 Ways to Reconnect and Find Peace in Everyday Life. I first met Renee when we both lived in Austin, Texas, and have been a fan of her work for years. I also had the opportunity to participate in her training on facilitating sacred women's circles and retreats for mothers based on her award-winning curriculum. Renee speaks to Fortune 500 companies, organizations, and teams worldwide on the art and science of spiritual self-care. For this episode of the Girls That Create podcast, she graciously kicks things off with a centering exercise that listeners can bring into their lives moving forward. Welcome, Renee Trudeau, to Girls That Create. Thank you, Erin. I'm so glad to be here. Now, Renee, I know you and I talked about this in an email, but uh, it's kind of been a stressful day, so I agree. I think having a centering exercise to kick off this podcast could be something that I need and everyone listening could find useful for their day. So I would love for you to lead us in that exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to do the same. I was just working on my taxes, so I need a break. (laughs) So I'm going to invite everyone that's with us to find a comfortable seat wherever you are. So if you're running around the kitchen unloading dishes or you're at work shuffling papers, maybe just take a break for a moment and find a comfortable seat and plant your feet on the ground, both feet on the ground, and putting your hands on your legs. You can put your hands face down if you want to feel more grounded, and you can put your hands face up if you want to feel more open and receptive. And I invite you, if it's comfortable, I've already started to do this, to close your eyes or take a soft gaze and connect to your breath. Our breath brings us back to the present moment faster than anything else. And if you're feeling particularly rattled today or you've had a a challenging day, you might put one hand on your belly and one hand on the center of your chest, and this is very calming and regulating to our nervous system. So just staying with your breath and noticing without needing to change anything, if you're breathing from your belly or your chest, noticing if your breath is smooth or jagged, shallow or deep. Notice the sounds inside the room where you are and perhaps sounds beyond the room, and notice the feel of the air and the temperature of the air on your skin. Notice if there's a predominant thought or story that's kind of dancing across your mind right now, and just like you're at a train station and the train pulls into the depot, you can wave it on and just let it go. We're going to be talking about self-care, so this is your time to really receive and pause. So staying with your breath, I invite you to bring your awareness or your attention above the crown of your head, so so the area above the crown of your head, and letting your awareness cascade down to your shoulders, your upper arms, your elbows, forearms, hands, wiggling your fingers, letting your awareness cascade down into your chest, 
to your upper body, torso, front body, back body, side body, and following your awareness down into your belly and your pelvis, your thighs, your knees, your calves and your feet, wiggling your toes. We have something like 72 trillion cells. So just feeling your cells alive and well. And perhaps wherever you are in your day or whatever's going on with you, just taking a moment as you stay connected to your breath here to just pause and ask, what do I most need today? What do I most need today? And then taking a deep inhale through your nose and exhaling through your mouth and opening your eyes. So Aaron, there's a there's a mantra that we use a lot in my office, and it's from stillness comes discernment. And I am wired uh, to be, I'm, I'm a type A. I'm wired type A. I'm the oldest of seven children. And I like to play big, and I'm very creative and have a lot of plates spinning like you. And sometimes we can get into that um, seduction of productivity, and we can think if I just you know, work a little faster, get a few more emails out, that's going to help me get to where I want to be. But I have found that it is so essential for us to pause a lot like we just did, to just pause and find your center so that whatever you're doing, you know, throughout your day is coming from this place of discernment. So thank you. Thank you for that wonderful break in the day. And I agree. I think that's probably something we can all benefit from taking time to do. What does self-care mean to you? How did you even begin this type of work and working with others and wanting to share these skills and exercises with audiences and just kind of teaching how we can take better care of ourselves? Yeah, well, and I'll start by saying now, Erin, it's been about 30 years. I have been researching, teaching, writing books about studying and leading retreats and workshops and and keynotes around the art and science of self-care. And I still have a long way to go. So you're not, you're not done. It's not somewhere that you just arrive and then you're just done. I define self-care as the art and science of attuning, what we just did, attuning and responding to your needs and your desires moment to moment, moment to moment. And I did not pop out of the womb singing the, the praises of self-care or understanding it. In fact, quite the contrary. I grew up in a very overachiever family. If we wanted to do ballet, we were, you know, like how soon are you going to be dancing like Mikhail Baryshnikov, you know? So really high overachiever family, a lot of focus on productivity and, and what is your outcome. And so my journey really started right around the time that I had my son Jonah. He just turned 21, if you can believe it, Aaron. I remember so well, you know, he was about six months old, and I was running my first business, career strategist, a career coaching and consulting firm. And I remember just kind of stopping in my tracks. My mother had passed away years prior. I didn't have aunts or grandmothers or any maternal support around me or any guidance. And I was like, how do you do this? How do you find balance, care for yourself? you know, care for this child and still nurture your creative life, you know, as a, as a creative being, which I very much identify as. I think we're all creative beings. And so I put out this flyer. I was involved in a group in Austin, Texas called Women in Communications. And I put out a flyer saying, hey, do you want to join me on this journey? I'm going to call it a personal renewal group. We're going to meet for a year. We're going to focus on a different topic every month, like building your support system, managing your energy, 
reconnecting with who you are, just all about self-care. And the group filled in 24 hours. So this was 2002. There was nothing, nothing in the vernacular around mothers and self-care. Like if you wanted support, they were like, here's La Leche League or here's Mothers of Preschoolers. And so it was really pioneering, this, this idea of thinking about really deeply resourcing ourselves. And we weren't talking about our sweet children in these groups. We were doing collages around how we want to feel and, and reconnecting with our essence and learning how to say no and build a support system and how to slow down and be more present. So really about resourcing mama. That was the beginning and it exploded in my first book, The Mother's Guide to Self-Renewal, How to Reclaim, Rejuvenate, Rebalance Your Life came from that. And then I wrote two more books after that. And we had these groups that I wanted them to be organic and just kind of take off and be all over the world. But what I learned quickly was that the, the women were coming back and saying, we don't know how to do a group where it is deep and sacred and, and meaningful. We're just, you know, we really need guidance. And so we created a certification program. We certified about 450 facilitators in 10 countries around the world to lead personal renewal groups, which was a, a beautiful experience. So from there, I kept doing more and more speaking and leading retreats and teaching around the art and science of self-care, which has evolved a lot for me, as you can imagine. It's evolved a lot in terms of how I teach it and how I talk about it. But I will say, it is out of all, I'm, I'm really into training and personal growth and professional growth. And out of all the types of certifications, training practices that I have done in my life, hands down, really deeply learning and, and practicing the art and science of self-care has been the most transformative practice or training of anything I've ever done. I think I feel this. I'm sure other parents and caregivers feel this. We know we're caught in such a chaotic, it feels at times, schedule. We're always trying to get so many things done. And you mentioned that, obviously, the importance of the breath and taking a moment to pause I want to kind of just touch on the importance of the, making sure you're taking the time to reconnect with that inner self. And I know in your work, you help people cultivate an allegiance to themselves. What does that mean, and how does that play a role in self-care, that concept? Yeah, great question. And, and I'm going to just dial it back one notch, because this often will help women and help mothers, particularly who have a lot going on. So this was a big shift for me around understanding self-care. You know, I, I would talk about it's not something you put on your to-do list. It's really about cultivating a new way of being with yourself, a kinder, a gentler way of being with yourself where you're really befriending yourself and you have your own back. But here's something that really often causes, you know, kind of the, the ding, ding, ding. So you think about all the things that we do, all the roles, you know, that we have as mothers and sisters and leaders and activists and creative beings and in all the things that we're doing. As we go out into the world, we are constantly parenting, relating, leading, guiding from our current state of being, from our current state of being. And just take that in for a moment. Another orientation, which I hope to offer today, just orientations to self-care, another orientation is self-care is really about helping us cultivate our desire state of being. Before I got onto our conversation today, I've got deadlines, I've got people calling me, my phone's blowing up, I've got all kinds of things going on, but I'm like, you know, I really want to be present with Aaron. I really want to drop in with Aaron. So I poured myself a glass of water, I had an apple, I set everything aside because I was very cognizant of 
what is the state of being that I wanted to cultivate before I sat down with you? So I wasn't doing, you know, doing those things. Because nobody knew what I was doing. Nobody knew if I was doing the 30 emails right before we got on or I was sitting down with my glass of water and apples. But I have learned over time that this idea of, you know, having your own back, having allegiance to yourself and understanding that self-care helps us cultivate our desired state of being is really the essence of that idea of allegiance to self. I will not abandon myself. I was leading a retreat one time in California at Esalen. It's like the oldest retreat center in the United States. And I was with this group of women. There were about 30 of us. And I said um, in this conversation we're having, how many of you feel safe with yourself? I asked them to raise their hand. How many feel safe with themselves? Only one woman could say that she felt safe with herself. And she said, and we talked about this idea about how often we throw ourselves under the bus. We get asked to do something, a volunteer activity, or we overcommit at work, or we say yes when our, when our body's screaming no. Those are ways we throw ourselves under the bus. And as we begin to gently cultivate this allegiance to ourselves, you know, having our own back, we won't do that. We will really stay with ourselves and not abandon ourselves. Boundaries is something that's really come up, I feel, in the last five years. People are really starting to recognize the importance of it. And I think, too, with a family, as you said, to make the time to be present because it's so easy to be distracted. And I, even when a child is coming to talk to you, to make sure that you take the moment to put down the phone to reorient yourself and think, I'm here in this moment with my kid and I need to really listen, which can be really challenging with all the things going on. I'd love to hear your thoughts on showing and mimicking that behavior because we're also teaching them that behavior to understand that they need to, when they're interacting with people, to be present with them and take that breath. Yes, it's huge. It's huge. You know, you're bringing to mind a story that I will never forget. I remember one time I was working at my home office in Austin, and my home office was right adjacent to my son Jonah's bedroom, and he was had come home from school. I think he was about nine. I picked him up, brought him home from school. I had a lot of flexibility because I had my own business, so I was able to juggle. I was in my office, and I was doing something. I don't even know that it was work-related, but it was something that I was involved in in the moment. Maybe it was talking to a mentor or a dear friend or something. And Jonah popped in, or I don't know, he yelled from the other room, will you come and help me do something? It was something that was not time sensitive, something that he wanted my help with. I remember responding to him. I remember pausing, because, you know, we have that mama response where you're just like, my child needs me. And we just tend to just go, you know, which I understand. And there are times that they need us and we go in that moment. But something in me just kind of paused for a minute. And I went to him and I stood in his door and I said, you know, I've had such a hard day. I said, I just need some time right now to be with myself and talk to Joyce, but I can definitely, you know, be available for you in about an hour or so. And I remember him kind of looking at me, and it was almost like I could see this, and he was okay, and I walked away, and I thought, that is modeling. When we tell our kids, when we ask for a little bit of space, or something's going to take more time, or I need a break, and of course, it depends on the age of your children, right? But when we do that, we are showing them, you know, through our own behavior that, yes, I love you, but I also need to resource and fill my well, you know, and, and it starts right here. It makes you a better parent. That's one of the things I have to remind myself is that 
self-care and making sure that I'm rested, I'm replenished, makes me a better parent because then I'm more available and I can be more thoughtful and be the type of parent that I want to be for my girls. Absolutely. I mean, it makes you better in every situation. And I always say, it doesn't matter why you come to the party. You know, people practice self-care for different reasons. And fortunately, often, Erin, what happens is if, if there's a crisis that then makes people, oh my gosh, it's a health crisis or it's a, a emotional or mental crisis or something that happens where they're like, something's got to change. Something's got to change. But hopefully we don't get to that point and we can see, wow, you know, this is about really sharing the best of me, the best of Erin, the best of Renee, the best of us when we really take this time to resource ourselves. And I can't say this enough, too, for everyone that's like, I'm so busy, my schedule's so busy, you know, my day's so busy. This is not about adding something to your to-do list. This can be as simple as, you know, starting your day intentionally before you get out of bed or before you rush into everything, just pausing, you know, what do I need today? What do I need? And just tracking what's going on with me, what do I need? So it can be, you know, asking for help. It can be saying no. It can be slowing down. It can be resting. There's so many books right now on this. People are talking about this as, as radical, taking a radical stand like activism. They're calling rest as activism. I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a lot of books on this right now. So we're not saying, you know, you need to get out there and schedule your two hours every morning for the gym. I really, really hope that our listeners are hearing that this isn't just something you add to your to-do list. This is about cultivating with curiosity and compassion a new way of being with yourself. We will take a break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. Hi, everyone. Erin here. Support for this show comes from Elevate Alliance. It can often feel lonely being a small business owner. That's why I joined Elevate Alliance to find support and sisterhood with others who are taking on similar challenges. Elevate provides community, accessible learning, and support in integrating more conscious business practices, all of which have benefited my career and Girls That Create. Elevate Alliance is a community of brave women entrepreneurs who are channeling our feminine wisdom to run our businesses, create social change, and find joy in who we are and what we do together. Visit ElevateAlliance.com, that's E-L-L-I-V-A-T-E, Alliance.com, to learn more. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash girls that create. If you're like me, I am always cheating on my books with other books. 
That's why I love listening to titles while driving around when Word of Mom Radio isn't playing. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, motivation, wellness, business, and more. You can also find books by guests on this podcast, like Dr. Michelle Borbus, Thrivers, and Jessica Leahy's The Addiction Inoculation. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash girls that create for your free audiobook. And we're back with Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. I'm speaking with Coach speaker, and author, Renee Trudeau, about the importance of self-care being part of our daily lives. What are some of your favorite self-care practices? So let me offer like maybe three things to start. I just, I did a, a big workshop for a, a huge global law firm and they were, we were starting off the new year and they were like, okay, you know, tell us we want the, what are the most powerful things to help us, you know, rock our world and get more work done, the most powerful self-care practices. And I told them, you know, one of them is starting your day intentionally. So rather than, you know, looking at your phone first thing or rushing into just getting on, hopping on your computer or just kind of falling into the day, you might have to get up a little bit earlier. You might have to start to retrain your family. Um, this may feel really strange to you, but it is one of the most potent self-care practices, this idea of starting your day intentionally. So that might look like the check-in, it might look like a little bit of journaling, it might look doing a little bit of stretching, maybe sharing, thinking about some things you're grateful for, it might be doing some breath work, like going and just sitting on the back porch for a few minutes and doing some breath work, but really thinking about how do I want to feel today, how do I want to feel today, like life is not just happening to me, I actually get to source myself and think about how do I want to enter my day. So starting your day intentionally would be one. Another one is, I call this a quickie journaling. I love this, Erin. It's so simple. I keep journals in my car. I keep them in my purse. I have them everywhere. A lot of science behind what happens when we journal. So there's a lot of crossing the midline, left and right brain integration. So just three questions. You just have your, your journal and pen, about five minutes. How do I feel? What do I need? What do I want? What is my heart's desire? What do I want? We know that with women and mothers, we know that in the mental health field, we've studied this, that depression and anxiety are caused by a disconnect from our inner world, from what's going on here. So doing a simple journaling exercise like that, how do I feel? What do I need? What do I want? is actually like fertilizer for your inner world. And the more you do it, the more it becomes natural and the better it feels. And it's also something you can do with your kids. Absolutely, you can do this journaling question with them if you want. So that would be a second. And then a third would be, it sounds simple, but it's hard, slowing down. It's slowing down. I am noticing our pace right now. I would say it's, it's not humane. I moved from the 10th largest city in the United States to the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm in a little town of 7,500 up in the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. And I did not realize, so you know I'm self-care queen, I'm always doing all these practices, but I didn't realize, Erin, until I started going to the grocery store here or going to the post office, all of these things that became incredibly pleasurable because it's slower here. Like it's just pure joy to go to the post office. They greet me by name. It's just there's hardly a line. And I just began to watch, I'm now going into my third year here, my entire nervous system rewired 
it rewired. And yes, I do go to big cities all the time for speaking and for my work, you know, leading workshops and retreats and things like that. But I really notice a, a jarring difference. So what would it take for you to slow down? That would be the question I would leave. What would it take for you to slow down? And I remember Jonah, my teacher, my son, he's my biggest teacher. And I remember when he was little, Aaron, he would say, Mama, slower is better. Slower is better. Slow down. Even if you are, you know, in a big city, that just taking the act of going out and just maybe wandering in an area of interest, you know, a park or just city blocks, but being there and not trying to get anywhere per se, but just being in, as we kind of have already mentioned, present, I think is something that could even happen in even our bigger cities. Absolutely. You know, and when I go and I lead, I lead retreats, I talk about four things that are so powerful. So I study, I'm also a yoga nidra teacher, and I'm studying a lot about attachment and neuroscience and the brain and trauma, all those things that everybody's talking about right now. And the four things that have the fastest impact on our nervous system and really bringing us into that parasympathetic state are singing, dancing and movement, being in nature, and having heartfelt connection with other people. So there's an author that I love, Johan Hari. He's written a book called Lost Connections. I don't know if you've read that or not, but he talks about nine kinds of connection, and he, he believes that depression is caused by a lack of connection. He talks about connection to self, connection to others, connection to purpose, connection to nature. So he defines loneliness as being around other people and not having conversations that matter. So that fourth thing that I talk about when we're in retreats of singing, dancing, being in nature, and connection. Through science, we know that you know if, if you're lonely, it is it's worse than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day is what the research is showing. So taking those moments like you were talking about, it can be little, even if you're in New York City or San Francisco or Chicago, getting to a pocket park, taking your shoes off. A lot of science around earthing and how you know being in nature really helps us return to that that calmer, more regulated state. You wrote a great post for Girls That Create. You shared a great post with Girls That Create. We'll put it in the show notes, but it discussed exactly the connection and the importance of making sure you're taking care of, nourish, nourishing your friendships as much as you're trying to make sure your children are nourishing their friendships. Because I think one of the things I've noticed is as a parent we put a lot of effort in making sure our children and the connections they have with their friends, we understand how important it is. We build that up. We make sure that, you know, play dates happen, interaction happens. You know, we're doing school activities. We're trying to, you know, make sure that all that is in sync, but then we can look up and think, oh, gosh, I haven't had coffee with Susie in six months. How did that happen? I really need to call her. And you have every intention of doing that, but then you just it just drops to the wayside. And we need to make sure we're taking that time to also reach out to our friends besides worrying about our children's social scene. Absolutely, Erin. So women and friendships, it's like oxygen. And there's a wonderful study out of UCLA on women and friendships. And when women get stressed, they do something very different than men. We have this stress response where we tend and befriend. So being in one another's presence, particularly with friends, this is really important, friends that let you show up worse than all, that are really your soft place to fall. And how do you know that? You pay attention to how you feel when you leave their presence. The same thing that we tell our children. I used to tell Jonah that, working through friendships. How do you feel when you leave after spending time with Miles? How do you feel, you know, after you guys have had this time together? So friendships for women are huge, really, really, really important. 
And it's interesting because this comes up in my retreats a lot. We talk about, you know, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual self-care. And we think of emotional self-care, the care and feeding of our hearts. And so many women, I can just see the wheels turning when I talk about friendships and, and invite them that maybe it's time to curate friendships. Maybe it's time to let some friendships go or to really deepen other friendships. It's so, so important. And there's been some interesting research that's talked about during the pandemic how many women um, did feel this this visceral pull to deepen their friendships with other women, to become more vulnerable, more authentic, especially with all the isolation. And we, we see like how important it is to have belly time, you know, to actually be together and have belly time. I'm leading some women's groups here in, in Brevard, North Carolina, where I am near Asheville, which I haven't done, you know, since the personal renewal groups like 25 years ago, meaning, you know, ongoing groups. Because ever, we're just craving that, you know, that intimate, safe container, that safe space to be. And we know when women gather and have conversations that matter, we release oxytocin, the love or the cuddle hormone, the same hormone that we release when we're nursing. Um, our serotonin levels go up. Our cortisol levels go down. So there's, there's a reason when you've had that really yummy connection with a friend or a women's group, that when you leave there, you feel so amazing. So there's actually neurobiological and physiological responses that were happening when you gathered um, with your friends. Isn't that cool? That's fantastic. I mean, we, we know it. It's just making the making sure we actually do it. It's amazing how time can uh, get away from you. But it's something, yeah, I agree that. It is essential. essential. Yeah. Absolutely. The other thing is, too, I know since, again, we focus on creativity. In your work, you also mentioned that one way to kind of reconnect with yourself is to re-engage in something creative that maybe you did when you were younger, or maybe even explore a creative outlet that you've never done before, but you maybe you've always kind of thought about. And I would just love to hear your thoughts on that, you know, why engaging in creative outlets is important and how it can be a part of your self-care. Oh my gosh, it's so essential. It is so essential. You know, I think that we're all creative beings, and I think it can look very, it can look different, right? So it can be you know, something outward or it can be something inward. I have a, a beautiful sister and she does, she's so creative in, in, in terms of things that she makes with her hands and things that she does with her children. I'm more creative as a mother and a parent with Jonah in terms of conversations that I have and ways that I have invite him to look at things, you know, and ways that I move with him as we go to an art museum or we go hear music. The question that I like to ask everyone, you know, when they're thinking about the idea of, of creativity or, or life force is what makes you come alive? What makes you come alive? And if, if all of us will follow that impulse, what makes us come alive? You know, I came here uh, during the pandemic in 2020 and I created something, Erin, called Wild Souls Authentic Movement. So um, I lead this beautiful movement experience that I just created. I'm, I don't normally do that. I just created it. And then I decided to get trained as a song leader, and I lead Wild Souls Community Song Circles, you know, which, again, is a, a lot of neuroscience-based work. You know, I'm one of those people that constantly is getting ideas, and I love to just pause and see, you know, which of these ideas is making me come alive. And then following that and putting energy into it. And sometimes it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It's just that I said yes. I want to touch on compassion. Mm -hmm. 
women are really good about being compassionate, finding compassion for everyone else in their life but themselves. We are so hard on ourselves. I think we can be our worst critics. I just want to hear your thoughts about that struggle and just how, again, being in tune and self-care can help push through those feelings when they come up, because I think we all have our days when we are just really putting ourselves down. And again, you know, when you're raising kids, you want to model positive behavior. And if they see you putting yourself down, they'll think that then that's how they should also treat themselves. And that's something we all want to kind of break that cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and this is reminding me, you know, I'll just take it back one notch, thinking about what is going to motivate you to practice self-care. You know, what's going to motivate you to practice self-care? So I had a mom that battled clinical depression growing up. I remember being about 10 years old and being with her. She was, like, looking through her closet one day, like, looking at dresses or something to wear, and she was being just really hard on herself. And I was looking up at her, and, you know, I'm only about 10 years old, but I remember, like, everything in my body was, was saying, I don't think this is right. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And so my sweet, beautiful mother was really my teacher, was my catalyst for moving into self-care, and was also my teacher because I'm like, I'm going to model for Jonah. I want to model what it's like to be kind to myself and sweet to myself. And so that was my, my catalyst. And so that's a question to ask. It's interesting, as I teach self-care when we're at retreats, I'll often show this visual if you would imagine this series of beautiful gates going into this lush garden, you know, with hibiscus flowers and beautiful trees and fragrant, and there's four gates. And the first gate that you come to is the gate of self-care. And so I've noticed as we, as we researched and observed over time, as we practice self-care over time, we will continue down the path and we will have a key or an opportunity to explore the second gate. And the second gate is self-compassion. So through the practice of self-care, we do begin to become more compassionate with ourselves. And as we continue on that path and we deepen our practice around self-compassion, we come to the third gate, which is self-acceptance. You know, I love myself worse than all. And it takes work to get there for sure, but it's, it, you have this opportunity as you're on this path to come to this gate. And then as you continue deeper into the forest and the trees, you come to what is really kind of the holy grail, which is self-love. So that idea of thinking about these gates is, you know, self-care, self-compassion, self-acceptance, and self-love, that if it feels daunting to think about how in the world, how do I even get to some of these deeper states of self-acceptance, just start with baby steps and start with exactly what we're talking about today. It would be so huge if every day you just put your hand onto your heart, over your chest, and just ask, what do I need? And I used to do that all the time with my guys. My husband and son, I would drive them crazy, like Friday afternoon, you know, we're like, weekend, we're, you know, it's been such a long week. And we would, we would usually go and get Mexican food and have this little picnic together. And I'd say, okay, guys, what do you need this weekend? Like, let's just enter the weekend with a little bit of intention. And I would drive them crazy, but then they always appreciated it, you know. So this, you can, as you're doing this, you can invite in others to join you. It's so simple. But it's just how do I, you know, what do I need? What do I need? So beginning your self-care practice can be that simple. Starting there would be huge. That's wonderful advice. If I'm hearing this, where can I find out more about your work? Where can I learn more, Renee, about what you're doing? 
Well, I would share, we have a lot of free stuff because I'm, I'm an educator and I'm a teacher first and foremost. So a couple things, we've got our books at all the libraries. Some of them are on back order on Amazon because of the, the supply demand, but uh, they are at all, all the libraries. The Mother's Guide to Self-Renewal and Nurturing the Soul of Your Family. All the, the retreats, everything that we do around the country is all on our website, uh, renetrudeau.com. And we always have at least a couple scholarship spots for pretty much everything that we do. So you can find that. We have some online courses. So we have a course around um, sovereignty, which is really coming into allegiance with yourself. So you can explore some of those. And then my primary work is doing private workshops and, and speaking at conferences. And so I travel all over the world doing that, speaking around work-life balance and self-care and mindfulness. I love connecting with people around their events and how to help them create transformational experiences. I'm all about creating the transformation. You know, feel good is awesome, but like how can you have some long-lasting tools and practices to bring into your everyday life? Fantastic. And I will say another free thing. My, uh, people love my blog. They love my blog. My blog comes out every Tuesday morning, and sometimes I'll just do a short little video on a question that is helping me practice self-care or be more intentional so that comes out or sometimes I'll give you know another resource but I always we always try to pack in as many tools and practices that you can use every day in your life so you, you're welcome to subscribe to that on my website and that comes out once a week fantastic Renee Trudeau thank you so much for being with us at Girls That Create my joy thanks so much to all of you tuning in thank you for joining us on Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio remember to ask yourself what do I need today, and every day. We will close out with our theme song from the Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure. She is sure. She is sure.